today on the Rita Mimi Do It Show. I loved playing hype, like always putting, but my favorite thing was putting stuff in bags and like getting my backpack all together. Still do that. We always go on hiking trips and I always have to have my backpack full of stuff and it makes me feel like a kid again. And same when I stopped journaling for a while, um, especially kind of when I was just meeting Colby. And a year later, I realized I felt disconnected to who I am. And the moment I really started to make that a priority again, I feel more connected, more creative, more in aligned with who I am. Because of Rita, I got on the news. Because of Rita, I had 15 speaking engagements last year. Because of Rita, I've become a six-figure business owner. Because, because, of, Rita, because of Rita, I've doubled my revenue by doubling my clients. I'm Rita, business strategist, speaker, and success coach. Also known as the gal who went on 35 dates in 35 days and vlogged all about it. And this is the Rita Mimi Do It Show, where every week I bring you the real information about what it takes to go all in on your dreams so that you can build a profitable business and live a positive life. Some weeks I'll have a guest and others it'll be just you and me, like we're out on my deck sharing a bottle of wine. The conversation, yeah, it'll be that real. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Rita Made Me Do It show. I'm so excited today because not only am I interviewing a dear friend, Alexa Carlin, but I'm at her house and we're actually we're enjoying a nice glass, you know, me and my podcast, right? Nice glass of wine, a nice bourbon or a nice coffee. Well, we're not having coffee. So we're having wine and we're having I'm having a bourbon and we're just like sitting around chatting. And I thought, well, we need to put a lot of this on the podcast. Like we were, Alexa was telling me some good stuff. And I was like, wait, save it for the podcast. So I'm so excited for you. If you don't know who she is, for you to meet her today, for those of you who do, to hear more about her. But um, Alexa is someone who I've known for a very long time. She, run, she runs a wonderful community. She is a speaker. She is a true influencer, but she's full of so much information that I know is going to help you grow your business. And so I'm just excited to, to dive in, into the conversation today. So thanks for letting me be at your house today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rita came over and she's like, can I spend the night? And then I was like, sure. And then on her way here, she's like, oh yeah. Also, can I interview you? Can I interview you? What for time my podcast? Is it? I'm like, all right, it's 9 30 at night, but no, it's 9 30 at night. We're going to, we're going to have a great, a great interview. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but like, why not? Like, and this is like, this is a kind of podcast that I really wish I could do more of, right? Which is like, you're just sitting around and suddenly you're like, wait, this is like good stuff. We need to record this so that other people can hear it. Record your conversation. Just record conversations. Yeah, but like, I love that. yeah, it's like, why, why not like have people just hear that? So the one question that I ask all of my guests, so I have to ask you this first is tell me about you at age seven. What was Alexa like? At age seven. At age seven, I was really shy. I had super curly hair. Always thought like, I remember at, se- at such a young age, I mean, I don't know if it was exactly seven years old, but that I always was meant to do something big, but I never fully believed in myself. I always was like, the person that wasn't the coolest, wasn't the smartest, wasn't the prettiest in the class. But deep down, I knew I was meant for something big. But again, I was super shy. So how can you ever achieve anything when you're too nervous to even talk? 
that's that's what I remember at seven. And, and really, to be honest, like I, I think this was even earlier than seven. My mom would tell me this story where I had really curly hair. And I would come home and cry saying I'm the only girl in class that can't brush her hair. Oh, I know it was, it was, so I always grew, I grew up with a lot of like self-esteem issues, confidence issues. I had health issues even before my whole health journey. And, uh, my mom always tried to instill confidence in me, but I remember having a really hard time, uh, growing up with that. Yeah. Well, okay. So that's interesting. I'll tell you why I ask this in a second. But what were your hobbies? What were your interests? What were the things that you loved at age seven? Dancing. Dancing. Okay. Love dancing. I journaled all the time. Okay. Every every time my mom took me to the mall or to a store, had to buy a journal. I have so many journals. And that's the thing, like I've always wanted, I've always been a writer. In yeah. a way. Um, I actually have a whole bin. My mom just gave me of all my old journals. I've kind of filled in like maybe 15 pages and then I was like, Hey, ready for a new journal? <laughs> um, but that was one of my hobbies. Um, I was into sports, okay. a lot of sports, very athletic and, uh, family. Family's always been my, my world for, so, so for people who are new to the podcast, the reason that I asked this question is there was a study done and they, in the study, they, the infamous they, say that you are at your most authentic self at age seven, that you're kind of old enough to know who you are, but you're not, so, you might have worries about what other people think, but you're not so old that you have like all these fears around it, but that the things that you love and enjoy when you're age seven if you get too far away from those in adulthood, you end up feeling really disconnected from who you are. And you might start feeling like, you know, um, bored or that feeling of like, why am I on autopilot or I'm depressed or and usually when people start noticing that they can go, oh, well, you know what? I loved playing make believe and performing when I was a kid and I'm 35 now and I don't do that anymore. And the minute that they find a way to insert that into their work or into their life, they start feeling more joy. Yeah, that makes sense because, you know, it's like hard to think back to age seven, but I loved playing hike, like always putting, but my favorite thing was putting stuff in bags and like getting my backpack all together. Still do that. We always go on hiking trips and I always have to have my backpack full of stuff and it makes me feel like a kid again. And same when I stopped journaling for a while, um, especially kind of when I was just meeting Colby. And a year later, I realized I felt disconnected to who I am. And the moment I really started to make that a priority again, I feel more connected, more creative, more in aligned with who I am, which yeah. is interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. And like, you'll get this because you're a speaker. Um, I was going through a period of when I started uh, business coaching and there were a couple of years in and the business really took off and I was full of client work and I stopped speaking. I wasn't even speaking for free anymore. I was just mm. doing client work. And I fell into like a real funk in my business and I just could not figure it out. I was like, this is going so well. And why? Am I feeling? And then I was like, oh, authentic self, age that loved performing. I would come down the stairs with a Fisher Price, you know, tape player mm -hmm. and microphone and be like, hit it. And I was yeah. like, <laughs> I don't know what I hit, but I did stuff. And, um, and I was like, I'm not speak. I'm not performing. I'm not speaking. Right. And the minute I put that back in, 
boom, like all the, so like, I love asking that to see how far away people have gotten from who they were. And they're like, oh my gosh, or no, like I am really like a li- living the life that mm-hmm. and that's authentic to, you know, what I enjoyed. So um, I know that, that you are an incredible. So we're transitioning like into the, the, the speaking talk right away because you were a writer, you were a performer, you loved the dancing, you loved the performing, right? At mm-hmm. age seven. So like, how have you, taken that and infused that into the work you do. Why don't you tell everybody, like I, I introduced you, but how would you introduce yourself to somebody? Like when somebody says, Alexa, who are you? What do you do? What do you say? Uh, so I mean, officially my official title professionally is, uh, I'm a author of adaptable, uh, professional speaker and CEO of Women Empower X. And Women Empower X is a training company for women entrepreneurs, coaches, authors, helping them grow their business through speaking. So that's like the professional side, but I also never like to leave things to titles. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Like, okay, you're, you're we're at a bar where you're having a glass of wine. I'm having my bourbon and we're talking and I meet you for the first time. I'm like, so Alexa, t- like, and I'm not a, a, a person that goes networking, okay? And I'm not like, and I'm like, Alexa, tell me, what do you do? Like, what would you say to your late, your average layperson? Like, that wouldn't maybe necessarily go, I don't understand the whole elevator speech you just said. Like, if you mm-hmm. had to explain it to, well, now I was about to say, explain it to a seven-year-old who's drinking <laughs> bourbon at a bar. If you had to explain it to a seven-year-old drinking bourbon at a bar, I wonder what kind of bar you're at. But you know what I mean? Like, explain it in a way that really kind of, like, connects with the the passion, the joy of what you do, and not just that elevator pitch mm-hmm. around it. Yeah, so um, I'm, I am really passionate about helping elevate diverse female voices in business. And I'm really focused on that because I believe that when people share their story authentically, vulnerably, they make a huge difference in the world. And I believe when more people are doing what they love, the world becomes a better place. And so I've I've been an entrepreneur since I'm 17 years old, always with the mission to make a difference in at least one person's life a day. And when I was 21, I had this crazy near-death experience that left me with a 1% chance to live and also left me with a struggling autoimmune disease. And that chronic illness and that trauma and that 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 really challenging time that I'm still living through because it's never ending, not anyone that knows chronic illness, it really also gave me such uh, an amazing purpose because it showed me that regardless of the challenges and circumstances, I can choose to achieve whatever I want. And, And regardless of the odds against you, you can, by focusing on the things you do have control, adapt to what you can't control so you can always achieve what you want. I want to help other people do that. So through my book, Adaptable, I really want to help people find that light within so they never give up because I truly believe there's so much potential sitting inside people and they just need to unleash it. And they have the power to do so. And a lot of times we lose that power. And it's so easy. It's so easy to wait. So, I mean, I was waiting for months, years at a time to get healthy again before I felt like I could speak on stages or do what I wanted to do. But the thing is like, you're going to be waiting forever. And I never wanted to just wait till I overcame my challenges, knowing that obstacles follow obstacles. And I wanted to show like, I and pursuing my dreams, even when living through the challenge. Yeah. You don't have to have it all together. And, and by really sharing that through my work, through my talks, through my books, and now, um, through my courses, um, really helping people find the courage and confidence to share vulnerably and authentically 
finding that empowered feeling, that confident feeling, but then also backing it with strategy because the way that I grew my business and brand is all through public speaking. I mean, I started my my current venture, Woman Empower X, with $2,000 in savings, yeah. put a down payment on the convention center, hoped and prayed 300 people would show up. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 1,500 people showed yeah. up and I spent no money on advertising and it was all through sharing my story. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's, so there's a lot to unpack there. There's so many great points that I really want to talk about. So the first is obviously like you had, you have a story and there, there was a tragedy that you went through and you have persevered, you have adapted and like sharing that story and what it's allowed you to do is so important. But let's go back to like seven, seven year old shy Alexa, right? Who's like a little, hesitant to talk and share her story. At what point were you like, I have a story and it needs to be shared? Do you know what I mean? Like, what was the moment that you were like, this is something people need to hear? Because we all, or or was there a moment or was it just kind of like, I'm always curious about that when people are like, I need to share my story. You can usually pinpoint a time where you're like, and this is why I knew I had to share it with a lot of people. That's a really good question. And I think there's two defining moments in my life. And one is specific to the story. The other one specific to the courage to speak up. Okay. So the first one was in high school. So I didn't, again, have a lot of confidence. And I got into student government because one of my friends was running for president, class president. She asked me to run for VP. I got elected and I got into this class called, you know, Student Government Association. And I went to a school of, 2000 students and student government ran everything. And I got really into leadership and, uh, come now that was freshman year come now going into junior year when elections were about to take place at the end of the year. Uh, my advisor told me that I should run for student body president. And it was a big deal. You ran the class. You had to speak in front of the class every day during fifth period. I mean, you were the voice of the students. You had to speak, you know, in front of all the faculty and staff But I respected that advisor so much and she saw something in me that I didn't see in myself yet. And I vividly remember sitting in SGA, fifth period, freshman year, looking at the president who was a senior, always a senior, and saying, wow, I wish I could do that, but I could never do that. I so vividly remember that till still to this day. And then now it was almost three years later, I'm going into my junior year And now they want me to run. And I ended up doing it. I ran for student body president against two soon-to-be seniors. And there was a runoff. And I was so nervous. And I remember when they put the results on this piece of paper on the library door. And I saw my name. And I was elected. And the whole school, the whole student body votes as student body president. I remember I started bursting out in tears. But this feeling like... If I can do this, what else can I do? And it was that what else that was just this rush of like euphoria, like this power. And I became the first student body president ever as a junior. And then I was reelected senior year. That led me to see my first motivational speaker when we went to the student government conferences. And I was just like open to this whole new world of leadership. And I fell in love with it so much. And that's when I started speaking. I suppose spoke at my graduation. I spoke in front of a class and I always opened up with an inspirational quote. I was always an inspirational quote junkie, <laughs> but it was that defining moment that 
I guess, gave me more confidence to go after those bigger dreams that I still didn't even think I was capable of achieving. I love, I love it. Let's so let's talk to because I know so many people are out there who are like, yes, and like I have something that I know that I want to I want to share and I know my moment and, and I had it and I had this epiphany and I'm like, I need to share this because it will be so motivational and inspirational and it will help so many people. And yet they struggle to to get their message shared and also to get their message really heard and understood. So for everyone out there who's like, I have a story, I have a story and I want to share it and I don't know where to start or how to start or like I've tried before and people cut me off and they say, "You're, we need to go to the next speaker. Like how should someone just like sit down, whether they're in Clubhouse or they're on Facebook Live or they're wherever, they're in front of a group. There's so many places, guys, that you guys can like talk and share your story and we'll talk about that later. But like where would be the first place for someone who's like, I, I I have a story, Alexa, and I want to share it with other people. What would you advise for them to do? But yet they're feeling a little like seven-year-old Alexa, like, but nobody wants to hear this. And like, I'm a little shy to hesitate, and but I know I want to do it, but I don't know where or how, and I want it to be right. And I want the right people to hear it. Like, where would they start? What would they do? Well, the first thing I'll say to that, and that's like a lot to pack in, it but is. the first thing I'll say is that by you not sharing, your voice with others, you are doing a disservice to the world. Everybody has a story. And I always ask people, because there's so many times people are come up to me and they're like, I don't have this crazy near-death exp- uh, story. I don't have this crazy story, but I feel like I, you know, I want to speak. And I'm like, it does not matter if you have this crazy story or not. Like you have something in your life that has affected you. Yes. It could be as little as like you failed a test. Yeah. Right. Anything that's affected you is a story. And then that's where you start. But uh, regarding like really starting to get out there and speak, especially when you might not have a large following or you're not getting picked up on booked on stages. I pitched myself to 60 different organizations when I decided I wanted to speak, got 60 letters of rejection. And for so long, I, I s- sat with that. It was very, def- like I felt so defeated. But when no one gave me a stage, I created my own. And there's so many opportunities, like you just mentioned, to create your own stage. And that's through podcast, YouTube show, live streaming, uh, your own virtual or in-person event. I mean, when I was too sick to even speak on stages, I started a live streaming show. This was back in 2014. And for months, I mean, five, 10 people showed up. But it didn't matter because it only takes one person in the audience that can possibly change your entire career. Yes. I mean, it, it's crazy. One person, and I've heard this story so many times of like different people, they were speaking and they were just getting started or they met one person and that person changed everything for them. So if you think about it, it doesn't matter if 5,000 people are watching or in the audience versus five, all you need is one. All you need is one. I mean, and and I so... My I have a friend, Paul Brunson, and he tell he told this story on my podcast. Guys, this is like episode three, so you gotta go way back to listen to it. But he talked about how he was doing his YouTube show and it was like a matchmaking show, and it was his very first thing he did in his business. And there were like 30 something episodes, and he was on episode whatever, and only like 10 people were watching. And he's like, and I knew one was my mom, and like, <laughs> you know, but only 10. But he kept doing it. He did it all the way through. It turned out one of the 10 was Oprah, who had been watching it because of, of another connection, and she had been watching it and she was watching it to make sure he would still do it that he will he would stay consistent 
and committed to it. And then she asked him to be the co-host of Love Town USA with her wow. on you know one of her shows. But it was because she was like, eh, there are only 10 people showing up. Is he really committed to this? Like, is he really going to do it? Like, is this his passion? Is this something that's mm-hmm. like deep within him? Or is he just doing it for the follows and he's going to give up when there aren't that many follows? And it's like that change. Now, I'm not saying Oprah is out there, guys. Like, watch. I mean, I hope she is. I hope she is watching you and she will change your life. But it's that idea of how committed are are you to it? And like, I, I feel like if you're focused on viewers, number of people, which we all can do, but if that doesn't keep you, if you don't keep going, even when you, you might not be talking about the right thing or you might not be speaking. Right. And, and speaking is all about momentum, all about momentum. The more you speak, the more opportunities you'll get to speak. And if I look back at my entire career of, of speaking and business and entrepreneurship, it's like, now I'm starting to get these crazy big opportunities as an influencer or a publishing deal or whatever these big opportunities are. And it wasn't just like an overnight thing because I have followers. It was a progression. And that's what makes a sustainable brand. I mean, you can go viral one second and the next you won't. And if you don't have a brand to back it up, there's nothing there. And so if you are passionate about this, if you are committed to sharing your story, you have to keep on sharing because I mean, that's, that's how you're going to grow. It was me speaking at my own events where I finally got the opportunity to speak on other people's stages, which then I finally got my first paid gig off of Twitter um, you know, hashtag call for speakers. I was searching <laughs> and then guys, did you get that? Hold on. Hashtag, hashtag call for speakers, <laughs> write that down in your journal or your notes or like whatever. Cause use that hashtag. But yeah. $500. I still have the check from it and, um, and travel. And but it was like, amazing. you cashed, you cashed the check. You just have like the Oh yeah. Mobile. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> mobile. Like, mobile. Okay. Obviously. Right. Yes. Okay. Um, and then in, at that gig though, it was a conference for um, student leaders in colleges, and I was the only one that got a standing ovation in this audience of like maybe it was like 200 students, and word got around about my gig to an a- agent, and that was how I got my first, picked up on my first speaking agent. Yep. There you go, guys. See, like, everybody keeps waiting for that, and I love what you said around, like, it's by speaking a lot that these things will happen, right? Whereas a lot of people are like, well, once these things happen, then I'll start speaking more. Then I'll start doing more live streams. Then then I'll start uh, recording more frequent podcast episodes. Once I get more listeners, then I will do this. And it's like, no, only by doing this will you get more listeners, will you get more watchers, uh-huh. will you get more viewers. I right? just spoke about this in the training that I did for my Speak to Elevate students. And um, it goes off, of course, the be, do, have mentality. But uh, there's a quote in my book that says, we tend to think we will change the way we feel once our circumstances change, but our circumstances change only when we change the way we feel. And it's like, yeah, people think that you know, when I have more followers, I'll get booked to speak. When I have more success, I'll get booked to speak. When I have more experience, I'll get booked to speak. But it's really a catch 22 because yes, all those things may help you get booked, but speaking is the way that you get all of those things. Yeah. It's like when people are like, well, once I know who my ideal client is, then I'll go get clients. And I'm like, it's only by getting clients that you're going to know who your ideal client is. Like, right guys. So it's like, stop waiting, just get started. So you say that you like to help elevate women's voices or, you know, these, these voices of these entrepreneurs and business owners who, who have so much to share. So tell me, 
why aren't why do they need help? I mean, I know, but I, I want other people. What does it mean to elevate voices and how do you help people's voices actually get amplified and elevated? And why is that such a struggle for so many people? So that's a good question. Um, the first thing that I saw when I was trying to grow and elevate my own voice was people never gave me a shot because I didn't have that following or because I didn't have the credibility yet. But I knew that I had value. And so when I started Woman of Power X, I wanted to even out the playing fields because it's such a click in a way. It's such like, you know, an exclusive hashtag boys club. But how are you going to be able to really show, you know, your potential, your value, if no one's giving you, you know, an opportunity, of course you're creating the opportunities yourself, but that's something I really wanted to do because I had such a hard time. It took me, it was a lot of years of struggle to get there. And so when I started Wex, we never looked at following. We never looked at wealth. We never looked at any of those things. We looked at what value are you providing our audience? And that's what really made Wex such a diverse event, not only in the speakers, but in the audience, because it became this community organically. And so today we have that same mission. We just do it through a different avenue. And so to me, what it means is that Wex and myself, we create this platform because I've had over a decade of building an audience where we're now giving a platform for other people, especially if you don't have that reach, so you can be heard by more people and really elevate your brand to that next level. But then the the flip side of it is that you have to know the strategy as well. So I wish someone told me all the things that I now teach but a long time ago, I would have been way ahead, way yes, more ahead, yeah. right? Everyone says that, but um, the 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 way that we do this now um, is by teaching the strategy of how do you speaking to grow your business and brand, because I believe that speaking is the most powerful marketing vehicle there. So is. I want you to dive into that because I know a lot of business owners are listening and they're like, yeah, but you know what, like. How I'll just keep over here with this. I'll just keep posting on Facebook groups. I'll just keep going to these networking events. I'll just keep that should be good enough. Like, why do you believe that speaking is one of the most powerful ways to build your business? Okay. One, it creates impact while you're making sales. Never have to focus on selling. You just focus on impact and boom, there's an there's customers, there's buyers, there's people coming up to you. Two, instant credibility. The moment you get up on a stage on a platform speaking, you have instant credibility because people question who is that person? They must know or have something that I don't because they're on stage and I'm not. Okay. Three is that it helps you rise above the noise. Your voice is so authentic to you and anyone can create any type of photo, but no one can mimic your voice, your stories. And four, it is, it really helps you future-proof your brand because I know a lot of people are nervous about talking about like, you know, the metaverse and web 3.0. And I haven't dove publicly deep into this, but I'm doing so much research for the past year, two years, really three years around this is that it won't matter in the metaverse, how perfect your photos are, how many quotes you put on your Instagram. If you are walking into the metaverse with your avatar, guess what is authentic to you? Your voice. Your voice. You have to still be able to speak. That's how you're going to connect. I mean, that's how you're going to be able to grow. Yeah. And so in any industry, especially thinking about what happened with COVID, so many people had to pivot and adapt. I mean, if you all of a sudden are working in 
you know, running your own business, your own, you know, finance, coaching uh, business, whatever it may be. And now you can't get clients and you have to go work for another company. How are you going to land that job? You have to sell yourself. How do you sell yourself? You speak. Yeah, you're speaking all the time, guys. Yeah, Yeah. it doesn't have to be a 60-minute keynote for you to be a speaker. Let's like get clear on that. Yeah, Yeah. speaking comes in so many different forms. So it really is, it doesn't matter what industry you're in or how old you are or how much experience you have. When you know how to speak, you have the power to influence others. And when you have the power to influence others, you really can, I mean, hopefully positively influence them. You really have the power to achieve any result that you desire. Yeah, no, so good, so good. And let's talk a a little bit about then, right? So people have this, they have this desire. Now they know, okay, so I need to just start speaking and and the rest will kind of like show itself to me as I'm speaking, it will fall into place, but I do need to get some strategy after I start, right? Like don't wait, first, like start speaking, start speaking now, like go something. There are pl- guys are at like 18 million audio platforms. <laughs> like we talk about here, right? You can go anywhere, Facebook lives, all of these things, right? You can go anywhere and just start, start speaking. And now, you know, you've got to put some strategy behind it. And now you know why, you know what, what it does. It's that no, like you hear the no, like trust factor. And Alexa just really explained it in a more concrete way, why speaking is one of the fast tracks to the trust, right? Because your people are getting to know you. They're being impacted by you. They're feeling you. They're like, they feel your energy. They know you. And you guys always ask, how can I become a credible go-to expert mm-hmm. and authority in my field? You position yourself in places where you are being an authority and you are being an expert. And speaking is one of those ways. So there's another there's another avenue of your business I really want to dive into before we wrap up this podcast, too, which is the influencer role. Mm-hmm. Now, love that term or hate that term, guys. I don't really care. I, I was talking about this in a clubhouse room actually this morning. Somebody was like, well, influencers are, this is a relatively still new concept. And I said, no, influencers have been around mm-hmm. since the beginning of time, right? Like somebody who writes a column about kitchen design in a paper because they happen to like the designs of some designer that they follow and they write about it and they share a photo. They're influencing consumers to go buy that th- those pieces, that design, right? Influencers have been around forever. Social media influencers, guys, social media influencers, maybe not because, you know, social media has only been around for a like a relatively drop in the bucket. But let's just be influencers are around. They're around to stay. But now there's this money making avenue of mm-hmm. being an influencer. Right. So it's kind of like, OK, I want to um, I want to make money as an influencer. And you do this and you do this so well. So first of all, can you tell people what it really means like what when you have a business as an influencer, what are some of the misconceptions I think that people have around what it means to be an influencer? And maybe this might even be why some of the the there's so much negativity surrounding that phrase. But people are like, well, if I can just be an influencer, then everything then everything will be great in my business or well, I just need to start influencing. And then people. Yeah. So like, what are some of the misconceptions that people have if they're sitting there going, well, that's got to be easy. How can I become an influencer? That's like the number of misconception that, that it's, it's easy. easy. Yeah, <laughs> it is not. I mean, it's you have to really do. You really do have to have a level of creativity with it because brands are looking at you as they're advertising. So like tomorrow I had to set aside, you know, three hours. I already came up with the concept, got it approved, had to fill out this whole thing to draft up an idea based on this company's brief. And then tomorrow I have three hours of filming it and editing it. 
then sending it for approval. Then if they want any tweaks, you got to do it over again. And it does take a lot of time. It's not easy. And it's, it's not like, oh, anyone could do that. Um, that's the first thing. But any, but I don't like to say that because anyone can do it if you want to do it. But it's not just like, oh, I could just post this. Well, I'm just and- gonna, I'm just gonna do a quick video of me putting on some lipstick, and now no, I'm an I influencer. mean, it has become a real profession because there's an art to it, just like anything. And anyone could do anything they set their mind to, but you have to take it seriously, just like any other thing. And I wasn't for a long time, right? I was just growing a following just for speaking or for you know social media. But today it's a full part um, of my business. And even over the pandemic, it was probably my most profitable part of my business. And it grew exponentially because brands are looking for trustworthy faces. People don't follow logos. People follow people. Yeah. So, so what, what you're saying is speaking is a great way to then jumpstart the influencer arm of your business. Yes, because here's the thing. I always thought that I had to be this incredible editor like, or hire a video editor or I had to be able to do all the cool transitions or dance really well oh, or I can't do lip sync really well. Or you like, don't, you know, wait, please tell different- me you don't have to do any of that because I can't do any of it. No, so here's the thing. I, I, have, thir- always- I, have, 13, I have 13 reels out there online. 13. So they took I, me forever. I love dancing, but that's not like, I, I mean, <laughs> you can find some of my dancing ones, but like that's not my brand because- what I started with, like, especially like TikTok, for example, I just followed all the trends and I was just trying to hop on any trend to go viral, to get followers. But one, that didn't come natural to me. And two, that had no direct correlation to growth, like sustainable growth, yes. future proofing your business. That's what I think most people do not talk about. I mean, you could go, like I said, viral one second and then not the next. Like it does not matter, right? Because it's not going to help you create wealth, fortune, uh, freedom. So the key that I learned through all of this, this process of going from just getting free stuff yeah. and, not, and then realizing I can't pay my bills with free stuff <laughs> that, to getting paid like 20 bucks, 50 bucks to now, um, you know, way more money for a one-year contract that I ever made working corporate yeah. from one client. Yeah. Like, wow, this is real. But what I learned through that process is the more I tuned into what made me different, one, what comes natural to me, two, how do I act when I'm just in front of friends, three, and really tapping into who is Alexa Carlin? Yeah. And not following the trends. You know, I think this this is so good. You do this well. Our friend Donna Bowling does this well. Acting like you would when you're with friends in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. This is what I don't do. So I do it great on podcasts. Like, I do it great on podcasts. I'll be, that's my problem with reels. When I start like a video or and I get re- I, this is like full transparency, guys, with Rita. Like, I'll do a live. and I feel like all this immense pressure to have to like show up and like teach and like educate, right? Like, or I'll try to do a reel and then it's like, no, but I have to, I in no way do I come across looking like and acting like I would if I'm sitting at your kitchen table, like drinking and like talking with you. And so I really, I need to capture that more. And I don't know what it is that makes me really uncomfortable with it. It's not that I'm uncomfortable with it, but I don't know why I don't do it. 
Yeah, well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, sure. Uh, but you're now everybody alone. run and watch my 13, <laughs> my 13 reels and my 13 Someone, TikToks. You know, I'm sure that people that don't know you personally don't see that. I think you're yeah. great on camera, but but I could see like the difference, right? When it's just us hanging yeah. out versus that. And that happens with a lot of people. I see them switch and I'm like, what What happened? You know, like <laughs> where'd you go? Oh, a big, right? A big switch. Um, something I'll say to that is the idea of performing versus acting. So speaking, content creation is a performance, but it's not acting. acting. I like that. You are never acting as someone other than yourself. And yeah. if you are, then it's never going to perform well. But of course, there's a performance level to it, but you're always performing as yourself. And that's the key. And to understand that if you look at your phone or your camera, wherever you're recording, and you don't see a phone or a camera, but you really tap into talking to an individual person and that energy because people forget that your content has energy. Yeah. And that's what has helped me really grow because I'm very much, my brand's very front-facing talking to the camera. And really, I didn't even realize this till I... I got signed with a manager um, last year and he now handles all my influencer agreements. And when he talks about my content with a, a potential client, uh, he'll say, which again, I never even like, you don't really recognize it. He'll say, Alexa creates content that's very front facing, talking straight to the camera, talking to her audience, authentic. I'm not trying to put on any show. Yeah, And that's when I realized, well, that's what I do best, right? It's just speaking to the, but to the phone or yeah. to the camera and creating short form videos. But the understanding that every time I speak, I think of it as a conversation. So I don't think of I'm recording a video. I think I'm having a conversation yes. with my viewer. And that's what creates that community aspect, that relatability, um, that transparency. But people that are consuming your content, they're not just watching your video or hearing your words, they're consuming your energy. They're consuming your, this is so good. So I had a client the other day who she's been going live on live, on uh, Instagram live and she was really struggling and she, she was ready to give up. And I said, hey, I want you to switch it from educating to just sharing a story. Like go on and share a story that day. And she was like, that made such a difference. And this is why, guys, because sharing your story and sharing your story about things that happened to you, like that is a natural conversational tone and it's always going to feel better I think and more relaxed but it's because of the energy you just hit the mm -hmm. nail on the head with the energy so guys I hope you're like because so many of you are like how can I be an influencer and like what does this really mean like the first takeaway that I hope you took away was it's a lot of work I mean did you not hear that Alexa is about to have like a three hour situation tomorrow and like all the back and forth that had to, just for one thing, one thing that she's doing, right? And so it is a significant amount of work. And if your other arms of revenue are not performing the way that you want them to in your business, just jumping in and thinking that you can just be an influencer and this is going to solve all of your revenue problems, like not the right decision. You have to strategically decide like everything else, when is this going to be the right move in my business and how am I going to do it? And you have to make sure you have enough time, you have enough resources, you have a team, you have support, right? Alexa has a team. Let's be, because you're talking mm -hmm. about all of these hours and you're speaking and you're recording and you're starting your own pocket. Like you have a team, right? So what I want you to hear though is Alexa still didn't wait to start, right? So that's the other piece. So like, yes, you need to be strategic and stuff, but you can start now. It's your your expectations, right? Need to be realistic. It's like she said, at first I was starting, I was getting 
some free stuff, right? But then I learned free stuff doesn't pay my bills. And so I had to treat it more like a true arm of my business in order for this to produce business type of revenue that you're thinking about. And and when I was getting the that free stuff for content, that was back in 2014. So today people value influencers way more yes. and, it, and it, they value small and large audiences. And so that's the other piece that I want to make sure we touch on is that you have to charge your value. Okay. So I was always nervous that even maybe a year or so ago, like, oh, you know, I could get paid $300 for this. But then I was looking at, you know, opportunity cost and it wasn't really worth $300, right? Maybe, maybe if it was something that helped me in other ways that pertain to my business or speaking, it would, but I had to really think about, okay, what makes sense? One, I only take on clients and products that I can naturally organically incorporate into my life. But two, I had to really think about what price point without feeling like this was so much work for so little or that it was taking away from my other sources of revenue. And what I realized is that most of us are undercharging, like way undercharging. Shocker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I was like, what? I could get paid this much for one TikTok video? This is crazy. Yeah. Like this is crazy, especially thinking about three, four years ago, um, how much work and hours I had to do with coaching or something for this. Right. Um, but it wasn't that I grew that much more. It was that I have credibility because I speak and I've been on my own stage and other stages and platforms and the press. And two, I have value and I, I know how much that value is to their target market and their audience that they're looking to attract, which is my community. Three, I value my community. So I don't say yes. I say no to most things that come my way. And the fourth is like understanding that it's, it's a business. And if you really are serious about it, you can make it a very, you know, uh, financially successful business and have a lot of fun with it and incorporate it into what you're doing now. But understand that you do have that value that you can charge a certain amount for this. Yeah. Well, I might, can we talk about uh, your partner? Are we, can we talk about your partnership with Samsung? Yeah. Are we to, okay, cool. So something. Yeah, okay. No, no. I mean, just that, what we were talking about earlier at dinner. So, yeah. um, you know, you have this partnership with Samsung and something that people will always ask is like, well, how do I word my pitch and what do I do to pitch companies like that? So I would love for you to share your story about how you got this, uh, this partnership with Samsung. So Samsung came to me. So it was an inbound lead and they were really interested in working with me and the company that they hired. So a lot of times how this, this industry works is that companies and brands like Samsung, they'll work with an agency and this agency, there's a lot of them out there. Um, one is collectively one is, um, I mean, there's so many just to Google it, but this particular one is called Isaiah. Well, hold on, hold on. What would people Google? Because I know they're like, I'm going to go Google oh, it, yeah. but what do I Google? So Google social media influencer agencies. There you go. Okay, cool. And there's so many you could sign up. They're all free to sign up as a creator. And Isaiah, I've been on since the like way early days before they were a public company. They're a publicly traded company. They're actually based in Orlando. I've spoke at their event. I've been invested. I've been like part of this platform for a long time, but 
Samsung happened to contract Isaiah for this new ambassador program they're working on. Then Isaiah finds creators that they think will fit the brand's demographic. So this happens not just Samsung. This happens with almost every single gig that I get. Then they'll either reach out to the influencer. So they'll reach out to me and say, hey, are you interested in this? This is what it's about. If you are, I'll bring back your stuff to the brand. So they'll, they'll so then I'm like, yes, of course I'm interested if it ma- makes sense. And then they bring it to the brand and then the brand says, yes, we want this influencer. So then um, sometimes that yes, it's already been negotiated. Sometimes for a bigger deal like the Samsung deal, you go back and you negotiate the terms and everything. But that's basically how it works. So I'm always in touch with this agency. And and so if that's like the first way to find, find gigs. So while that was an inbound lead, I now today also have a manager that's pitching, but they're doing the same thing that I did before I got a manager. Um, you're basically going onto these platforms. They'll have listings of all the different influencer projects that you can apply for if you meet the dem- the criteria. Sometimes the criteria is following count. Sometimes it's like, you know, moms, you know, a, de- a demographic. So it depends on the product. So then you can apply and you can pitch your price and then you start to get work. And then you create a media kit, which is, you know, something we also teach for speaking. And then you're able to use that and pitch brands I love, as well. But I hope what you guys are hearing is those are the end pieces. Did you hear the media kit, like a manager? Like those were after Alexa had already started. You don't have to wait. Right. Right. For the media kit and the speaker <laughs> reel yep. and the manager and the whatever to get started. That's the joy of this. And that's that. that's why I want to share this information with you. It's like just get started, then you can make it more excellent as you as you go along. So this is a really interesting way to end our, our time together. I was telling you about a clubhouse room I led this morning and the 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 conversation was influencer and thought leadership. Are influencers thought leaders? Are thought leaders influencers? Does this mean the same? You know, is it the same definition to you? And many people had many ideas. I being one of the many people that had many ideas around this. But I am curious because we've talked a lot about as a speaker, owning your thought leadership and really stepping into your expert status, right? And then you have the influencer side. Are they one and the same? Does an influencer have to be a thought? I'm just very curious about your thoughts around this. Uh, so I've heard your, you know, what, what your response is. And I think that's interesting, um, what you've said before. And to be honest, I think it could come down to semantics. Yeah. So I think they can be one of the same, but I also can see the other viewpoint where I think all thought leaders are influencers, but I don't think all influencers are thought leaders. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. So thought leaders are the ones that are the writing the books. They're putting out ideas around certain topics. They're creating things out of nothing. They're discovering new ways to be, to see life through a different lens. And then they're sharing that. They're thinking about the future. They're doing, they're saying predictions. They're educating. Yeah. Influencers may influence people to buy a certain product, saying, hey, this lip gloss is great. But a thought leader is talking about, well, in the future, 
you know, lip gloss may um, be made out of this product that's going to save the yeah. environment. You know, they're they're thinking a little bit deeper, yeah. but they still have influence yes, to help other people's yeah. decisions. No, I love that. And I think that that's, that's a big piece. And I, I wanted to throw this in here because really we're talking about thought leadership as a speaker. We're talking about influencer. And I think getting to the root of like these definitions and nuances is important because in the clubhouse room today, some people were like, well, I guess I can never be an influencer because I haven't developed my thought leadership. And then they were like, well, to develop develop your thought leadership means publishing articles and being on the mm-hmm. news. And it's like, oh, this is a conversation that needs to be had because people are throwing out phrases like thought leadership and influencer and people aren't really understanding like what they really mean or what it really requires to do it. And so I love that idea of like, no, you know, a thought leader is looking at the past, present and thinking about the future and how trends and industry is going to develop and like what that means for what needs to be happening now. It's like that mix of things. But like you don't have to be doing that and making bold predictions about the future of your industry in order to influence what's happening in the present day Mm -hmm. in your industry. Right. Um, But yes, I love that all thought leaders are influencers. But to be an influencer, you don't have to wait this like and that was what came up. Well, I guess once I've written like all these books and developed my thought leadership and yeah. then I can be an influencer. And guys, no. That- I think I think there's been that's why I say semantics because influencers like like you've said there's been influencers always. Anyone that influences others' yeah. decisions is an influencer. So I think that's why I like the idea of the using the term creator economy better because that side of my business is more of a content creator. I'm not an influencer where, oh, if I wear a certain like shirt or brand, people are going to buy it. Instead, because I have the credibility as a thought leader, these brands are hiring me to speak effectively as their face or as their, you know, advertising. And because I'm a trustworthy brand that I've built over the years, then I have influence over others' decisions. So like Samsung, I am using their products. I am, I incorporated their entire ecosystem and I love it. And I organically talk about it, even when it's not an exact like paid TikTok video or something. But because of that, I can speak more authentically around the the galaxy ecosystem. And then with that, I'm now over time influencing people's decisions to check out their products, to learn more. But I'm also still a thought leader because of myself as a speaker, as a author. So it's, it's interesting, but when, when I'm hired to create a video for someone else to use on their their platform or for me to post that's content creation yeah yeah no I love I love the creator economy and like the definition of it really being the fusion and the merging of the influencing and the thought leadership is a really great way because some people are like I don't even understand what the creator economy is right like you hear that like oh I'm not a creator I don't like create uh you know you I'm I'm not on Twitch and I'm not gaming while I'm you know filming myself while I game or whatever and it's like guys this is something that I think And we need to have, whether it's on Clubhouse or whether it's another podcast, I think I need to get some of my buddies around a real table, virtual or otherwise. And we need to have a discussion on the creator economy and like what the creator economy is and how you tap into it and who can tap into it and all the different ways, because that phrase is relatively new. I think Mm -hmm. wouldn't you agree? Like that's a relatively new phrase, the creator economy. And you're hearing it a lot now. And I think people get very confused about like, 
Well, you're going to hear it more and more because they're really defining Web 3.0 as a creator economy because now we're going into, not to get too technical, but you know, decentralization where instead of these big media companies, social media companies are owning our content, the creator economy is where the people that are putting out content now own that content. Yeah, own that content. And like even like li- even the platforms are create. like you'll, you'll notice they're all having, um, are you a creator? Then here are some features for you. LinkedIn is like, are you a creator? Here you go. Here are the... So, that's our that's gonna be our next comment guys listen and and listen to the next episode because this is all like brains so you guys know after i do an interview i usually do a like a break it down kind of episode where i'm going to challenge you to do something so you're going to want to listen to the next episode because there's like there's a challenge baked in here and i'm not going to tell you what it is today but if you come to the next episode be ready because i'm going to issue you like a 30-day challenge and i think you're going to love it and and it's going to be great but i do really i want to get a roundtable discussion maybe we'll grab fanzo to talk about the metaverse or whatever and we'll have like we'll have a big like creator economy roundtable thought leader discussion or something with a whole bunch of different people because metaverse guys creator economy thought leadership and these are all things that can really help your your business if you sit down you get to know what they are and you get to know how they can apply to you and they can apply to almost anybody no matter what industry you're in so alexa i know you're starting a new podcast are you or like can you tell people about that yet yeah okay cool. definitely um, so I'm super excited. I've partnered with Colin, which is another influencer partnership. Um, Colin app is a social podcasting platform. So it's a live podcast show It's launching February 8th. So it's going to go live every Tuesday, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's called the Alexa Rose Show, where I'll be interviewing inspiring authors, entrepreneurs, and influencers, really um, talking about everything we kind of spoke today, thought leadership, public speaking, growing your dreams, adapting, and and a lot with mindset because mindset and business go hand in hand. And I love merging the two as well as how are you able to future-proof your your brand for the future? So I'm super excited. Um, and uh, it's exclusively on Colin. But what's really awesome about it is because it's live social podcasting, I'm going to be bringing up guests, doing live Q&A, and we're going to have some really cool um, people on there. So I hope yeah. you'll tune in. Uh, yeah, everybody tune in. And we're going to put a link to it in the show notes. And we're also going to put a link to your book, Adaptable. Is there anything else that people need to know about right now going on in your world? Or where would be the best places to find you? So yes, guys, go buy the book because the book is incredible. And also check out Colin, the app, and like be ready for her show and participate. I'm going to be in there participating. Um, But where else can people go to find out about you? Well, I'm Alexa Rose Carlin all over social, Um, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter are my main places. Um, And you can learn learn more at alexacarlin.com. Cool. And we'll put it all in the show notes. So thank you so thank you so much for being at your house for me tonight, Alexa. Yeah, I got to fill up on my wine. (laughs) Yeah, we do. We we have to we have to go, guys. We still have some fun we have to have. But um, I appreciate all of you listening. And you'll have to catch another great episode next week on the Rita Mimi Do It show. Thanks, guys. Hey, before you go, thank you for listening to my show. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please take a minute to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your podcasts and leave a review. It'll only take you a second, but it will help other people discover the Read and Mimi Do It show. And my goal is to share this business boosting and life-changing content with as many people as possible. In fact, because I value your time so much, Every month, one reviewer will win a free coaching call with me. So if you want to get laser focused and go all in on the results that you most want in your business, then leave a review now. 
and then head on over to readamimidoit.com where you can find the show notes from today's episode.